edition we cut loose the dead weight and uh steven if you're listening to this congratulations on your twins but we're done with that it's leaf stock only because this is a big week this is a big week so yes sorry to all the mustache talk uh fans out there <laughs> that that segment of the podcast is gone uh but good news is we have lots of other news to talk about named ryan o'reilly the newest member of the maple leafs yeah, those of you who are living under a rock or uh, boycott all things Toronto sports news, the Leafs have made a big trade. I get, They've been calling it a blockbuster trade. I seem to feel that a blockbuster trade is when there's superstars going both ways. You know what I mean? Like the Huberto for Kachuk, that's a blockbuster trade. If it's just a bunch of picks for a deadline rental acquisition, is that really a blockbuster trade? Here's the thing, Ryan. By Toronto, by Toronto media standards... We trade for a bottom pairing defenseman. That's a blockbuster trade. (laughs) All right. You're not wrong. Well, why don't you walk us through what the, what the trade is that the Leafs made here, who we brought in and what we gave up here. Late, late on Friday night, Kyle, Kyle Dubas pulled the trigger Uh, coming into Toronto is Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari and Josh Piller. Uh, And overall leaving Toronto is our first round pick, a second round pick, a third round pick, and then prospects Mikhail Abramov and Adam Goddet, uh, also gone a fourth round pick. Um, right. Overall, so we gave we gave up a lot of picks, not necessarily any of our big gun prospects, but we brought in some big time players here. Now, Tim, I feel like it was just like I feel like it was a week ago or less than a week ago that Kyle Dubas came out and he made this statement saying he he's not going to trade the farm for a rental player if he's trading. All the, you know, the first round pick, Matthew Nice, it's for a player with term. It's for a player who's going to stay here beyond just the four months that you would get your typical rental player. And now here we are making this big splash, and we got three players. I actually don't know about uh, the last guy. What's the name again? Uh, I mean, Paul? Uh, no, Josh Pillar is his Pillar, name. Pillar, right. He's really like, he tops out as a mid midline AHL guy. He's a bit right. of a non-factor. Like, but but he, the big the big two here were Achari and O'Reilly, and those guys are both expiring after this year. So what what, what do you think about this trade? Just as a that that it happened that the Dubas made the trade. He brought in these big guns, possibly just as rentals, and the first rounder's gone. What do you just think about that as a concept? I mean, I did say so last week that. GMs lie all the time and not to pay attention to the, these these conferences. But so one piece that d- d- did come out was I think on St. Louis's side, the general manager said was talking to O'Reilly and uh, they were the ones that made the decision. Like, all right, we're going to be sellers this year, and they talked to Ryan O'Reilly and made the decision with his family. So okay, who are who's kind of on your short list of teams? Uh, just kind of out of respect for the player. And then it was from there that Ryan O'Reilly said, you know, Toronto is. I hear they have some pretty good podcasters that cover that team. I'd like to go there. Um, so <laughs> that was the news that they came, they came out and said, like, that's why what, what the, the final piece of the deal coming together, just uh, pushing the deal over the edge and kind of, kind of committed to get it done. But because I, I think like the, the piece from Dubis is that 
obviously you can't actually talk to the players that not not under contract you just go by what the insiders decide to leak or or make up but i think it's important to know that like o'reilly that toronto was on o'reilly's shortlist to come here so i think obviously if things go well i think dubas hopes to re-sign o'reilly in the summer yeah it was interesting the comment that dubas made when he was asked about it afterwards and him saying no, we, we're not interested in starting contract talks now. We haven't really gone down that road. You want to see if the fit is there first. and you want Because I was kind of thinking exactly what you just said, Tim, that maybe this is, that, that Dubas pulled this tr- the trigger on this deal because he believes he's going to be able to re-sign O'Reilly, because he believes he's going to be able to reassign Achari. But I, it kind of surprised me that he was like, no, we're not going to start contract talks. We want to see what the fit's like. And I don't know, maybe uh, maybe he was just a liar and he is just going after a rental because he's not sure he's going to be able to resign him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's like, even from a O'Reilly standpoint, if the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, is O'Reilly going to be more likely to come here on a discount? Maybe, if he has a great time. Like, I think, I don't think O'Reilly's contract act is, is going to go up signing now between the end of the year. Maybe, like, if he comes in and wins the Conn Smythe Trophy again. Sure. He can name name his price, but at that point, we'll all be way uh, deep in the champagne and won't be able to think critically right. anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, that's when we get into the mustache talk. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think that I think this is just the, a point of saying like, see where he fits. Are we signing him to play in the top six? Are we signing him as a third line role? Sure. Is, is this like a, a Dubas thinks that like we convinced Mark Giordano to sign a sweetheart deal less than a million dollars. Is he still thinking of that for Ryan O'Reilly? Who knows? Maybe Ryan O'Reilly's just said like, Ooh, I saw that Patrick Marlowe got $6 million until <laughs> he's 40 years old. Maybe I'll uh-huh. just grab one of those deals. I-, I was pretty excited when the, tr- when we were, you know, you broke it in our chat. You're basically the insider, Tim. Good job. But uh, that, that the trade was made. I, I was just, saying to you and steven just a little bit before like i feel like it was hours before the trade happened that's like we just got to make this trade already we just got to make it now because before you know it these players are going to be going to other teams and all of a sudden we're left with pickings in the bottom of the barrel and we're not going to have a superstar you know big time acquisition joining our team and this just it just feels like we need it this is a, a team that it's just had so much failure over the past so five years failure. and we need, we need everything we can just to get some success. We might not win the cup this year. It's very hard to win the cup, but another first round exit is just completely unacceptable. And if Dubas didn't pull the trigger here, if he decided, no, we're just going to stick with what we got and we lost again, I would have pitted that as a tremendous failure on Kyle Dubas. I would have put it square on his shoulders that he didn't prepare the team well enough. I don't know if you could say that anymore. He's he's done his job. He's built a great team. He he played pushed all his chips in the middle, and now it's up to the players. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we we kind of joke and say like, well, there's holes up at the top six forwards. We have holes in the bottom six forwards. We're missing a defense. We're questioning the goaltenders. Basically, we're ready to blow up the team. It's like, oh, we're actually in fourth place, top five in the NHL. Maybe we're actually doing okay. But no, I, I agree. Like you look at this team, and this is a team like with holes in certain areas that we could improve upon. So if we make it to the playoffs and that we don't we have another first round exit it doesn't matter that we're against another top five team in the league thank you playoff seating but <laughs> it, it's just once again like uh, unacceptable and will be a huge disappointment and like i think at that point if if kyle dubas is still here we'll be forced to make changes just for changes sake which might not even be for the the most advantageous part of the team and or the team's future and 
Well, we don't need to get into that yet because we haven't lost yet. I know we like to get Not ahead yet. of ourselves here on the Leafs cast, but let's talk about, about the players we brought in, namely O'Reilly and Achari. Now, I've been on the O'Reilly train for a very long time. I've been championing this guy, but I've been championing him to come in as the, as the third-line center. I've been desperate for some center depth down here and to make that third line usable. And the first thing that Keith does is he says, no, we're putting him on the second line with Varner and Tavares. And I was just like, what the heck are we doing here? Keith was just like, all right, everyone's penciled them in on the third line. I'm just going to mix them up to show that like those internet, uh, internet podcasts aren't the boss of me. So, so what do you uh, think about the Toronto Maple Leafs with the addition of, of O'Reilly and Achari, Tim? How do you look at our team now? Uh, I mean, our, our ch- odds of winning the, the first round and winning the playoffs have only gone up this year after this trade, like only giving up dra- draft picks, uh, certainly doesn't like takes nothing away from the team. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, hard to say. I mean, it is a dice roll. It's not not quite a slam dunk, I would say. But Ryan O'Reilly definitely gives the Leafs some intangibles that or some aspects that they didn't have. Like he's a bit of a rougher customer as far as he's not afraid to get his uh, his hands dirty in the corners and like in the past, like when the chips are down, like this guy's a competitor. And like in, I mean, this year it's, it's always hard. It's always hard to evaluate players that are on bad teams. Like his stats Mm. across the board this year, horrible. And so it's like, is that father time calling his name? Is that just like hard to get up in the morning to lose another game? Is this just frustration with playing on the wing of Josh Levo? We've seen lots of centers (laughs) go through that. Um, so I don't know. It, it's hard. Like over overall, I am a fan of the move, and I and I think um, I mean we can debate on whether it would, would have been better to go after even like a bigger fish like Timo Meyer or. We'll we'll get into that. We'll we'll get into that. But overall, I like I like the deal. I I just love how much deeper it makes our team look. I I love that we got two players, two actual NHL players. We've had a fourth line, I feel like, all season that we look at them. We're just, we were excited about our fourth line going into it. We finally were done with the old man fourth line. Remember when we had Clifford Simmons and Spezza? We love Spezza, but like that as a line was just useless. It was so slow. It couldn't uh-huh. do anything. And this year we're like, man, we're going to have like Nick Robertson. We're going to have Malkin. We're yeah. going to have like uh, Gaudette. We're going to have all, and like none of them are here now. And, and, it's, and-, and all of a sudden we have like a fully healthy roster and Joey Anderson's out there. Yeah, and then and Wayne Simmons is still in more often than not, but I think it's just like this year. I don't think we've had the same fourth line a few games. Like this, yeah. it's it's not. I would say on the fault of like Keith, it's just we have not seen any combination of the fourth line that's that works. Like any player that goes there, just even like putting Alex Kerfoot, and we like we like to give Alex Kerfoot a hard time because he is incapable of scoring these days. But Alex Kerfoot is a legit NHL player. And it's just no one that you put him with on those fourth lines out of any of those other players just ever ends up having chemistry. So I think I, I agree that. So what's funny is when we broke this deal, I Noel Achari was someone that wasn't even on my radar as, as someone um, that could like be a difference maker. And then obviously the first thing I do is look up his stats page and it's like, Oh, he's just like another meh 20, like uh, uh fourth line guy. And it's like, man, dude was overpaid a lot just for Ryan O'Reilly uh but then like doing a bit more uh looking into Noel Achari it's like okay this guy is some great he gives some Leafs like definitely an area that the Leafs uh have been lacking 
Um, do you want to talk about the... So since the trade, Lisa played two games. Mm-hmm. Um, very impressed with Noel Chari in those two games. I, 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 Ryan, before before we get into talking about the games, uh, do you want to talk a bit... Do you have any, any other thoughts about, I guess, the roster on paper after this trade? Well, it's... I feel like... I, I To be honest, I, I didn't get to watch the second game a lot, so I'm more speaking about the first game. And what you could see when O'Reilly especially is already on the ice, he, he just comes in, he starts... He's like quarterbacking power play two out there. He's telling guys where to go and, and how to handle it. And, and he's, he just looks like a, a pro out there. And, and to have someone like that, I feel like our third line is the Island of misfit toys all season. And I, I just think that he just brings something, something that we were missing in the bottom half of our line. But again, we've only really seen him in the top of our lineup, but I just think that it's the the wealth that we everything we wanted from like John Tavares is basically Ryan O'Reilly just a little bit slower even John Tavares isn't even the fastest player he was really slow I saw him out there but he just seems like the kind of guy that has that instant influence on the team in the locker room it it just it just seems to fit like I don't know what Kyle Lee was saying yeah let's see if he fits I saw him like after his first three shifts I'm like yep he he's here he fits but I think that's just kind of who he is. I think he fits on whatever roster he's on. It's, he does seem know. someone who's, who who does like fit the Leafs, I guess philosophy is that or like the type of players they go after as far as like, yeah, you, you do see the comparison modeling after John Tavares of like playing the right way. And um, he's just going to show up and work. Right? He's just like a blue collar oh, boy. Yeah. I don't know. I like him. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. Yeah. Chari, he looks, he, he looks like, um, a zippity zap energetic fourth line guy out there. What we wanted for a fourth line to be this year is exactly what he's been. And the fact that he's already potted a goal only raises your stock on the Leafs cast. So uh, yeah, big, big fan of Achari. I don't think that we've seen the best of O'Reilly yet. I'm still waiting for to see him on that third line, but uh, I, I think this is exactly the kind of deal that I wanted the Leafs to make. And I'm really glad they made it. Yeah. And I think like the point about seeing him with, Tavares rather than on that third line I think this is Sheldon Keefe wanting to give uh Ryan O'Reilly kind of the best chance to succeed on like get your Leaf career started on the right foot and looking at this Leafs roster and say how do you start a player off on the right foot step one Mitch Marner step two John Tavares put them together it's like you're not gonna have a bad game yeah um but so I think I think I don't think that's the kind of the long-term plan obviously if, if the three of them instantly meshed i think that's that's something you can go from there but i do think we we eventually see ryan o'reilly move down the lineup but uh keith did have some interesting comments uh take take from that from what you will but he said that almost ever since he started uh coaching in toronto uh he's been wanting to try john Tavares more on the wing but Mm -hmm. has never had the center depth to do so uh which is a fair statement like i think in in the playoffs one uh against montreal when john Tavares went down uh, you see how thin we are at center, and then even even earlier this year when Matthews was out three weeks with the knee sprain, the center position was looking real thin. Yeah. Um, Ryan O'Reilly, def- like a primary center his whole career, and even but Nolachari also has experience at center, uh, if need be. I think we have him on the wing right now, but um, yeah, no, it's so it's 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 interesting, right? What what do you think about John Tavares on the wing? So I've 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 mentioned it before. Um, it, what's weird is that it didn't feel like O'Reilly's the player to do that. Like, it feels like if you're going to push Tavares to the center, it's because you're bringing in a better centerman than Tavares. And I like Ryan O'Reilly, but 
I feel like the the number one thing holding Tavares back from being a second line center going up against those top line competition is his is his foot speed that he can't like the center kind of has to be the defensively responsible and the first guy back and he he can't really do that just because the speed's not there and O'Reilly's even slower than Tavares so I I would have thought that if anything Tavares would be the center to push O'Reilly to the wing and maybe you get more out of O'Reilly than you've ever gotten you know what I mean yeah, and I I think like a lot of it is coming back to comfort. Um, Ryan O'Reilly has spent almost no time at wing versus his time at center. Granted, Did you like, say the same thing about Tavares though? Tavares is I think like he's played a little more wing than Ryan O'Reilly has played. Hmm. I don't know though. What I and do yeah, like about that line of the O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner, not that that's where I would have it. But that is an incredibly defensive and offensive line. Like that, that's what I think of when I think of the way Boston puts out their top line of Bergeron and, and Marchand, that those guys can play defensively against anyone and outscore anyone because they just got all the tools at both ends of the ice. And I think of that line, I think like, yeah, that that's basically half your best penalty killers and half your best power play right there on one line. Yeah, and I think like... And you noted that both Tavares and O'Reilly are uh, on the slow side. So they're certainly not generating like ru- or rush chances for them. No. But th- those guys have enough. Uh, I mean, the the buzzword is hockey IQ. They know where to be. They can use their, their sticks effectively. So mm-hmm. I think uh, th- that's kind of uh, the strength that those two bring for, for defense. I've seen a, a set of O'Reilly's almost like a third defenseman out there when it comes to coordinating breakouts and, and being able to just, calmly evaluate the situation quickly and then make the pass that needs to be made. So um, I'm uh, also going to bring this up now just because Steven's not here because I think he was right. And I'm not so sure that the plan anymore is to put Matthews and Marner back together come playoff time. I'm starting to think that the plan is Matthews Nylander come playoff time. It just seems to make sense at this point. They, they're still great together. Nylander is still on a career pace of 40 plus goals yeah it felt like the perfect opportunity to put Tavares O'Reilly and Nylander together you know like Nylander's not a very defensive player so you put him with O'Reilly and and Tavares and all of a sudden it's just like it it all balances out and it's great but that's that's not what Keith did He, he wanted Marner there and he wanted Nylander with Matthews and and it just it just works and I'm wondering shoot am I gonna have to tell Steven he was right on the pod, but I don't because Steven's not here. So don't eat Steven. Don't email us at the leafscast pod at gmail.com and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I think a lot of it is just like, if it, if it ain't broke, don't, don't mess with it. And I like Nylander still on track for, I think 45 goals is the latest, latest peak there. And obviously Matthews is, uh, is Austin Matthews, maybe not heart trophy winning Austin Matthews, but, uh, still still solid so I think a lot of that is just um, I wouldn't be surprised if if as the the season goes on we do see a bit of Matthews and, and Marner uh, together again but um, I think game one of the playoffs might be this we'll see now, how uh, where Ryan O'Reilly fits in though when when I think of O'Reilly the most predominant thing I think of is is that cup run that they made what 2019 was it I think it was 2019 they beat the Boston Bruins in seven games in Stanley Cup final they, they beat Achari in that Achari was playing for Boston at that point I know Achari was actually on the 2018 and 2019 Boston teams that eliminated the Leafs so. yeah yeah he's he's a bum but we're, we're slowly forgiving him anyway um what I was thinking was 
how much do you value that Ryan O'Reilly, who is really, you know, he won the Con Smythe that year. He won the, you know, we won all the, all those trophies uh, that year when St. Louis made their run. St. Louis was not a great team that year. You know, they were famously in last place around Christmas time. Um, and then they went on this crazy run and made it to the playoffs and then just beat everyone in the playoffs and won the cup. So if anything, I look at O'Reilly and I'd say, this guy was just born to play playoff hockey, which, you know, we have a severe shortage of those kind of players on our team. How much do you value O'Reilly's presence? And Acharya, I guess he's made it deep in the playoffs a number of years, but more O'Reilly, his presence on our team come playoff time. Playoff hockey is something I always struggle with because I always think it's silly that like the pl- the style of play changes that that much in the playoffs when this should just be like the same game. It's like, and we always talk about the Leafs like are falling into play against these other teams that just play super defensively and are rough. And then like the the penal the refs don't call the penalties right, but that's like nothing new, I guess. And so I always like am a little stuck in that like, ugh. Leafs don't excel at playoff hockey. So why are we trying to put the square peg in the round hole? Just because that that's like what everyone else is doing. But I mean, like we're now what round six of not <laughs> succeeding at playoff hockey. So that's yeah. a little bit, you beat them, join them. I mean, like e- each year, I think uh, the Leafs have obviously improved like year, year after year after year in some games um, at least. Um, but I, I think like, it, they what they bring is something the Leafs have, uh, don't have. Like it, at the end of the day, you need to have a balanced lineup that can succeed in all opportunities. So by being able to have just a couple extra weapons, you can deploy. And I don't know about like if they're like setting an example, like like oh, is Austin Matthews going to change how he plays because this guy showed up in two days and is doing something? Maybe I don't know. I don't know what kind of respect Austin Matthews have for like former Smythe. I think that the players in the room have a lot of respect for teammates who have gone there and done it all the way. I still remember when we brought in Matt Murray and all the players were just giddy with excitement that this guy who has two cup rings is now their goaltender here, which, you know, now he's just sitting in a hospital bed. So what is that going to do for you? But just that, that it, or, or Jake Muzzin, you know, we've, we've lost him. And I think everyone has basically wrote him off at this point, but when he came in and when he was here, that's a guy who's been there. He's, he's, he knows what it takes, and that's an important voice in the, the locker room for those key moments of, guys, this is, I don't know what they say, this is the time. I hope that they push the right buttons. But um, I, I think it means something, probably more than you could really value, because it's that weird intangible that you can't really put a number to. It's not a goal. It's not an assist. It's not something that's on a spreadsheet. We love spreadsheets here at the Leafs Cuts. But uh I, I think it's important, and we don't really have... I'm trying to think, other than Matt Murray, do we have anyone who's won a cup? Wait, has uh, Chari won a cup? No, he hasn't. Yeah, no, he wasn't on the Boston teams in, in no, 2010. No, no. So, I, so I, I think that it's... If he, assuming that Murray is going to be you know receiving a kidney transplant come playoff time or something, he's going to be our guy, our, our new... He's basically the Jake Muzzin in forward position who's uh he's the grizzled vet he's been there he knows how to get there he's done it before he's not only has he been on a team because i was kind of thinking about it as well jake muzzin wasn't the ryan o'reilly of the los angeles kings when they were winning their cups he was like a young i think he played like either third pair or second pair minutes but he was on the team and to us it's like oh wow you made it past the first round that's amazing 
But Ryan O'Reilly, he won the con Smythe. He was the captain. He he brought his team there. He knows how to do it. I I think that that's that's something that you weren't necessarily going to get from a Timo Meyer that I think is has value. Uh, did Samsonov win a ring with? No, I don't think so. Washington? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, it's not all sunshine and daisies. There was a cost for acquiring Ryan O'Reilly. You went through the draft picks earlier. Now, all things, no matter what the cost, it's always the opportunity cost as well. We now don't have those prospects. We don't have those draft picks to go spend on another player. We we cash it all in. We've kind of gone through what we think Ryan O'Reilly is, and we obviously both like him and value him. Was he worth say- it, though? Was the trade good, do you think? Or do you think the Leafs should have went in another direction with all that because it was expensive there was a lot that went on there there was a lot and i do want to say one thing about at least the games from this weekend as far as like early uh early impressions but i i didn't think too much of noel achari when he first came in but i've been very impressed with him the in the two uh the two two games since i think we started off saying that trade was like a first for uh ryan o'reilly and then a second for achari and a third for the retention or so but like after looking at those weekend games, like no, we basically paid a first for Achari. <laughs> um, no, I mean like yeah, I think Ryan O'Reilly has been like a little bit more getting up to speed. Like certainly not not playing poorly, but uh, hasn't been uh, as eye catching as, as Noel Achari. Well, that's where it's helpful getting them a couple weeks before the deadline as well. Like it's just that much yeah. more time that they have to adjust. That Keith has to find that optimal line combination. It's just more time because it's not a lot of time between the trade deadline in the end of the season, just a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and for sure. <laughs> Although it's like, you know, it's a couple months that the extra games they're playing that they might be able to get injured. So that's right. On Sam, but yeah. on the other team too, it's the, it's not like they're just sitting in the Here, box. Like, like Chick Trin is. <laughs> we're not scarred at all of PTSD at the Leafs cast. Every, every game that we go by, it's like, all right, we lost to last place Chicago and, didn't look great, but whew, no one got injured. I guess that's right. All right, <laughs> the, co- the cost, Tim. What do you think of the cost to acquire O'Reilly and Achari? Is it is it I, worth I it? I think this. I think I think it's worth it. Uh, we talk at least do have some uh, some great prospects out there like Matthew Nyes and, to- and Topi Niemala are both like these guys will be in the NHL in the near future. Um, to both keep those guys to potentially keep our win- cup window open like that much longer like i don't know if they'll be nhl contributors but at the very least like they they may be factors um but so I, I i like only giving up draft picks uh it's a lot of draft picks but i think looking at at least the, like the tarasenko trade and some of the rumored asks for some of the other uh players not yet off the board i i think this is this dude was paid the going right like it's certainly not a slam dunk win like we we fleece st louis like i think this is a, a scenario you look at some of the trades that go down it's like oh this is almost like a lose-lose but like team gave up too much for the wrong the wrong process the wrong asset i think this is like a win-win like i think the leafs get better i think the leafs fill holes that they they needed and i think st louis uh made off pretty well i think they're up to like three first round picks in this this year like in a loaded draft so the lose-lose Tim is referring to is the New York Islanders trading the farm to get the best player, and they're still going to miss the playoffs. What losers. Anyway. And then you, and then you have Vancouver that didn't even get a lot for them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I also am a fan. Um, the fact that we didn't give up any of our big prospects, 
Like it's so hard to compare. The first thing you do is you compare it to the Tarasenko deal and the Bo Horvat deal. Cause those are the ones that happened this year that are also like first rounds being shipped off. And, and the first thing you think of is, okay, well, is this comparable? Do we pay more than for Bo Horvat? Well, our first round pick isn't worth as, or yeah, isn't worth as much as the Islanders first round pick is. Cause we're going to finish fourth. They're going to finish like 24th probably. <laughs> um, so it's kind of hard to compare, but I just look at it and think, what are any of those picks going to do for us if we held on to them? Because that's what Dubas was more or less saying, that if he's not going to get a player that he thinks he could re-sign, he'd rather just hold on to the picks. And you just think of, like, Fraser Minton, who we got in the most recent draft last year. What are we going to do with Fraser Minton? He's not going to be on our team until 2028, probably. And that's when he's going to be starting to, like, you know, he's the rookie on the team and, and pulling into form. He's not going to be like a top line player for us. So the draft picks are just so far down the line. The fact that we kept Matthew Nice, who could possibly, I know Steven screaming at his podcast listening device right now, he could possibly be a factor on our team as early as this year or more likely next year he could, he could factor in. Um, even all, all our other guys like Numella or even like, you know, we had, we just did our trade bait pod not too long ago. And there are some crazy trades out there saying, let's trade away Rasmus Sandin. It was like, we didn't subtract from a lineup at all. We didn't subtract from the prospects who'd be helping the Leafs over the next one, two or three years. Exclusively picks. We bring in exactly what the Leafs were missing. Obviously we, you know, there's still questions on defense. There's still questions elsewhere, but it, you, you can't deny that we filled a hole that we had two holes really with the two players we brought in. And I think you could only be happy with the trade. Yep. Yeah. And, and even like keeping Nick Robertson, I know with all of his injuries, his, his value went down that like quite a bit, but all it takes like one general manager willing to like roll the dice on him and it's like, Oh, and then he's gone. Yeah. But it's like, there's still like a soft spot in my heart for Nick Robertson. It's like, surely he can, I don't know, get an exoskeleton or something. That's right. Together. The first bionic player. Something. I don't know. <laughs> um, do you, were you at all disappointed to like, again, the first thing you do is you compare to other players that went to players that are yet to be traded. We just saw Patrick Kane put up a show against the Leafs just last night and score a hat trick. Do you kind of wish that the Leafs went for Timo Meyer, went for Patrick Kane, made the, the Bo Horvat deal, or do you think that O'Reilly and Achari were the best fit? I mean, I think the Bo Horvat deal, I, I, I think Vancouver moved too early on Bo Horvat. I think you look at the price that they paid there for that rental, and I think uh, obviously Bo, Bo Horvat didn't have the double retention like like uh, Ryan O'Reilly does. I, I guess I, I forgot to mention that in part of the trade, but Ryan O'Reilly's uh, double was 75% discount on the cap, so he only makes $1.8 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of money at all, which is quite nice. Um so, but would I rather the Leafs focus on only one impact player? I think Timo Meyer would have been real nice. Would have like he, that's someone who's like a lot younger, much more likely to stay healthy. Not that O'Reilly is an injury risk, but as as the years kind of build up, uh, once you hit thirty, Ryan, you'll understand. Okay, <laughs> it's a risk. <laughs> um, no, so but it's like I don't know. I think. San Jose has played their cards right, and they're just build like Carolina and New Jersey are the two likely mm-hmm. teams there. And I think they're just gonna price bidding higher and higher. Um, even like you look last year, like Tampa Bay played 
two first round picks for like Brendan Hagel. And it's like, you might be saying who that is the point. <laughs> they, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they look back and regret. I mean, they want to cop out of it. So I don't think they regret it. They want to cop it. And you yep. make the trade that that's really the thing with this trade here. It really depends what happens moving forwards, right? Like you, yeah. we looked, we, we hated the Matt Murray trade when it first happened. And you still could argue that the trade itself, we, we overpaid. We shouldn't have had to pay that much or rather we should have got more from Ottawa to take on that contract. But Matt Murray's been good. He's been worth the trade and then some. So like, it, it kind of depends what happens now. If, if Ryan O'Reilly finds a spot on our team and answers those holes and we go on a deep run here and win the cup, then there is not going to be a single person on this earth who doesn't like this trade because you did it. But if he gets injured and goes the Nick Felino route, then the people come out in droves. And so all you can really do is evaluate the trade for what, what has happened and what has the player been? What do you think he'll give you? What are these picks? If, if a first round pick we gave up turns out to be Connor Bedard because we missed the playoffs, then we're going to look awful dumb. But uh, you don't know at this point. And I, I think that it was a good move by Dubas. I like that he made it. I would have been really upset if he just held on to his picks and, and didn't make a big splash. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the price. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I think, and I think like the, we're not, we haven't mentioned like uh, a Bram offer God dad at this point, like those guys, even though I think they might've had a couple NHL games where they, they cycle in the lineup. They're, they're not difference makers. Um, and they're more just included for like, just to keep the number of contracts on the roster balance with players coming in and going out but i do think that is a point about the injury standpoint you could spend the whole farm for timo meyer and he could come in and like fluke like injury he's out for the whole time and you lost him for nothing at least by getting two players the least might you know have paid a first second third fourth round pick for nolan for nola chari if ryan o'reilly does go down so i mean you do play the odds though like it yeah it's more likely that o'reilly's gonna get injured than timo meyer right I, I hear yeah. people over 30 tell me stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it's, it is a risk. He's just literally coming off an injury before we're acquiring. We think he's only played three games before he got shipped over here. Um, he got a that, goal in one of those games. Though. And that, and that would be brutal if, if he got injured or he's even like was being nagged by something and he wasn't a hundred percent. Like we really need this guy to, to lead our team here and be a big impact player, um, which is definitely a risk. But I, I definitely value getting the two players. I think that we had too many holes. The fact that we have two means that now we have some competition at the bottom end. If someone gets injured, we don't have some loser player, like not loser player, but like an AHL coming up to try and play in playoff minutes. Like we have, we have some depth here ready to go on a deep run. I I do think that's important. I would rather have O'Reilly and Achari than just Bohorvat or just Timo Meyer. I think that the asking price for that that combination is probably pretty similar, and I like that we got two players. I think that 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 makes a difference. Yeah, like if anything, you could see the trade of uh, in our lineup. We might have Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari, and Matthew Nyes in our lineup compared to only mm. Timo Meyer, right? Like that that uh, like Timo Meyer, Wayne Simmons, and Zach Aston Reese. Like those. Like if you look at those three to three, it gets to be a little more balanced out and you have to throw simmons in there you couldn't have even given him like uh i don't know that that's rough but you are right Kyle clifford ryan he's still on the roster so we we part of why we traded the the fourth and the fifth round picks or whatever is for the the salary retention we got o'reilly down to like 1.7 minnesota took some of that um i don't think actually we did any retention on achari is that right 
don't think there was any. No, so uh, Achari makes one point two five, and right. and we have his full his full hit. Right. So we we added about two point eight million, or just under three million, I think, to the cap with adding O'Reilly and Achari. We do still have a little bit of room. And on the last podcast, we were talking about how in total we had something like five point six million to work with. But you don't necessarily want to spend all five plus million because that means you have no room to carry extra players. You're going to have to waive guys like Timmons, waive guys like Ben, guys who we want to keep. But if you're spending that close to the cap, you're just not going to be able to. Because right now we're still in LTIR with Matt Murray as well. And maybe we can go into that a little bit. But do you think that this is it for Kyle Dubas? He, he pushed in his chips and this is our team now. Do you think he's still going to try and add a defenseman, another forward maybe, or do you think think that's done? What do you think? I go back and forth. Like on, on one hand, like, so Kyle Dubas was asked that very question on, at a press conference and he gave a bit of a vague answer. Like, well, if the opportunity comes by to improve my team, I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, obviously. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Is your hand, fingers crossed behind your back at um no i i do think like the i know earlier in the year uh we were looking at the possibility of bringing a, a defenseman like that someone who does have that that muzzin like presence um to make up for that loss um but at this point uh we are pretty close to the cap like we're, we might even have to like depending on which players we have might have to waive someone to, even just to activate matt murray so anyone anyone else we bring in is going to mean that dollars in dollars out so we're Someone off the current roster is going to be subtracted. Or um, we have to waive more players. Or we have to waive more players, and, and then it's just losing losing that depth, which means that when an injury happens, because it is going to happen, <laughs> it always happens, Yeah, um, you might have like someone who is more of an AHLer filling that that role. Um, I mean, like, I can't can't speak from experience, but they say in a long playoff run, it's the depth that that makes the difference. Like these, it's a war getting through each playoff round, doing yeah. it three times, four times. Everyone is just beat up, and no, no one's playing one hundred percent by the final. And Leafs are gonna ha- are at this point, we're playing Tampa in the first round. It'd be wild if we did not play Boston in the second round. Yeah, but at this point, like, I was thinking play- though, like how crazy is it gonna be? when the Islanders make the playoffs and they bump Boston in the first round, then it's a Toronto Islanders second round. Oh my goodness. I, can, I was thinking about that today. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It would be nuts. Anyways, at least they're going to have a rough go of it. So I think uh, more than anything, I think they do. And I, and I think we, we have over last summer, we brought in a lot of like, I'm going to call them bubble players, guys like, like Jordy Ben, um, uh, Timmons we brought in and like already signed to like a contract extension because he looked like really good. Mm-hmm. But these are all players that uh, I think the Leafs want to keep on the roster. And I think they would have be Leafs would be worse off trading them away. Now you look at someone like Alex Kerfoot, three and a half million dollars, likely more than what he uh, brings to this team on, on the ice. So I think you look at him and saying, okay, that's someone that you that you could. Uh, like afford to give up if it means like addressing a hole elsewhere in your lineup. Justin Hall, it's kind of interesting. This this just recently, he was a scratch for like the first time all season. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith gave a line about wanting to put Timmons in, and, and uh, he made it more about putting in Timmons and taking out Justin Hall. But um, 
And Justin Justin Hall is someone who we have a love hate relationship with who has well it's his fault the guy sucks sometimes that <laughs> some guy sometimes he's begging to be taken out of the lineup mm-hmm. and other times he's like he's the biggest bargain on the team at only two million dollars but um i think that the piece that the piece that you have to factor in is that any defense we bring in uh while like could be worth have like a higher salary than people going out you can get that salary retention in to fit in um someone that that who's that much better but you look at like the leafs uh draft picks that are left and it's it's thin pickings unless if they're interested in fifth sixth and seventh round picks granted or we do still years, have a first right yeah all yeah and all future well even in future years like we have our first round pick next year and the year after mm-hmm. no second round picks and then two out of the three third round picks yeah i think i'm i'm I don't want any more trades. I like the team that it is now. And I'd be actually really interested to see, because we know Kerfoot has struggled on the second line with Tavares and Nylander, or Tavares and Martyr, against those upper competition, other teams' top or second line. It just hasn't worked well for him. And we know he struggled on the third line when he's playing with players like Camp or you know Engel, or just like not... I, I'd be interested to see now, what does he look like with a legitimate third line setter? Can you tell I want O'Reilly in the 3C position to him? I want to see what guys like Kerfoot and Engvall look like on a third line with a legitimate player centering them. Put Camp on the fourth line, and he's going to dominate competition down there with you know Austin Reese and, insert, I guess it'd be Achari, actually, is the other. I was about to say insert player here. We got two players. So I I think that we just look so deep and I, I I'd be interested to see what does a player like Kerfoot look like with a legit center on the third line? What does a player like Engvall look like with a legit center on the third line? I think that that line, I know Steven says all the time, like who's going to score a goal on that line. I think that they could score some goals. I think that they're the kind of guys who are going to go to the net and tap in a greasy one and Engvall has the speed and, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's it's interesting possibilities. I don't want to trade Kerfoot out for a different player. I think that I I just, I just want to see what we have. Yeah, and I think like uh, another player we uh, give a hard time to is uh, um, oh sorry I for for Dave thinking of Dave, of David Camp uh, about his offensive limitations last year. Leafs cast is infamously wrong about how many goals he was going to score. Um, this year, maybe it's been a little bit more to, <laughs> than what you'd expect than David Camp. Yeah, maybe, I think I'm not sure if he has more than two goals or not. But it, it, the fact is, you put him up, you put him out there, and your team isn't necessarily scoring goals. Elite mm-hmm. defensively, but I don't think that's necessarily building to to Kerfoot's strengths as far as having that offensive upside. So I, I too would be would be quite interested in seeing how he does with with Ryan O'Reilly, and then. Originally, I had was gonna say put him and Engvall together, but now I'd kind of be interested to see Achari with with those two and see if they can get a bit of chemistry. I, I part of me says that as well. I'd like to see kind of Keith pick pick some lines and give him a bit of runway to see if to build that yeah. chemistry. Like, um, I think the Saturday's game, both O'Reilly and Achari landed like that day, and they were just like put yeah. in the lineup. I don't even know how that that works. Like, yeah, we've emailed you all of our plays and. By the way, uh, you're in the starting lineup. <laughs> this week we have we don't have a lot of games. We have Buffalo on Tuesday, and then we don't play again until Friday against Minnesota, and then Sunday and with Seattle. So there are probably going to be a few practices in between. I bet they haven't even had a practice yet. Maybe 
maybe on today on Monday they're giving it a practice. But like it's, I, I imagine that even for a vet like O'Reilly, I believe he's played his whole career. No, he played in Buffalo before. Uh, he was well. He's the Colorado for the longest. Fun, fun story. Oh, so, you're uh, right. You're right. Well, he started in Colorado in Darcy Tucker's last season. So he lived with Darcy Tucker in his first year in the NHL. <laughs> there you go. Okay. He's, so he, uh, he's bounced yeah, around no. a bit, but all the same, anytime you're on a new team, it takes a little bit to adjust, learn the players, learn the, the play style, actually place a lot of a good team instead of a bad team. So like it's, I'm sure it's a bit of an adjustment, even learning like, the ticks of players and knowing where they're going to be, that just takes time. So it, it'd be interesting to see kind of what, you know, we could go through a dozen different combinations here of, of where O'Reilly and Achari could fit, even them on the same line. Like they could both play on the third line, who knows, but it'll, it'll take some time. It'll be interesting to see how Keith handles it, how much he wants to just pick something and hold with it. Or if he, you know, he, he kind of switches things up a lot, I think compared to some other coaches, <clears throat> Mike Babcock, um so we'll we'll see kind of where he lands and where the leafs or where the the lines land here but uh, it'll make for good podcasting moving forward that's for sure absolutely um yeah i, I guess looking looking at the head of those two games is there anything in particular you want to see from ryan o'reilly or, or nola cherry like that you can say like by our next podcast you'll say like oh i'm i'm now happy with these guys or, or something that you you don't see you're uh, I mean, just assuming that they're going to be used in the same way that we've seen them used. So O'Reilly still on that second line, a chart on the fourth line. Um, if O'Reilly's going to be up there, I want to see him generate a little more. It's kind of maybe even retrieve the puck. There, there was a few nice plays where him and Tavares were down low and they came out with a puck because that's what they do. So I, I like seeing that and I want to see him do more of that. Get the puck to Marner, get the puck to Tavares. Uh, I, for Achari, I just want to see him do the same thing that, that he's been doing so far. So I, I think just I want to see them do the things that I expected them to do when we traded them, I guess, was, is all I can expect out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be fair, it's like not like we're only talking like a few a few games. But yeah, like I, I think um, just as the more games go by, the kind of the more comfortable you want to see him in the in his role with the Leafs, whatever that that role is. I think if it's playing with, with Marner and Tavares, though, I, th- I think obviously the offensive expectations are, are that much higher, and then we'll, uh, we'll, see, we'll see where where he pans out. I was uh, with my brother-in-law this past weekend, and he was giving me a real hard time that the Leafs couldn't even beat Chicago, the worst-placed team in the league, after getting our hype guy, and uh, they still can't beat Chicago. But this week, we have Buffalo, who's fighting for a playoff spot. We have Minnesota, who's fighting for a playoff spot. We have Seattle, who's proven to be a pretty top team in the league this year so it it definitely will you know the Leafs are pretty notorious for sucking against teams like Montreal and Chicago and those bottom feeders so it'll be interesting to see what this week looks like are we able to just dominate I imagine it must be a boost to the room to get these guys in here but clearly not a boost enough to wake up for Chicago still but uh, we got some real games coming up here so we'll see how they do to be fair uh yesterday's game against Chicago like Samsonov clearly was still not was clearly sick. It was like coming off a back to back, but yeah. I mean, there's still a Chicago Blackhawk, and like Patrick Kane decided to like to wake up and prove to the world he's not all washed up. So I don't know. Still don't, don't quite let them off the hook, but it's a little more understanding of some of their their brutal losses earlier in the year. That lot that win against Montreal was nice though. It was a fun Always one. Nice to beat Montreal. That's right. All right, I, that that's all I got, Tim. You got anything else? 
I am ready for more hockey. We're in the stretch run. We've been like building up for trades like all this time, and now it's like, well, it's just gonna make it's gonna make the time between now and the end of the season feel even longer that we made this trade now instead of a couple weeks from now. Yeah, we'll see if we have to do an emergency pod sometime in the next uh, week and a bit before the trade deadline. But I uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I don't think there'll be any any blockbusters from from Dubis between now and then. I think he shot his shot and he's. uh, Gonna let it roll. All right. Putting it all on Ryan O'Reilly. Well, with that, let's uh, roll on out of here. How do you like that one? Love it. All right. And uh, this is where Steven would play the goal song uh, execute. It'll be layered on. Don't tell him that. His head's big enough already. We don't need him. We're good. That guy. <laughs> all right. See you next week.